Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number three of the National Football League season, week number four in college football. And Victor, as we look in the rearview mirror at last week, we noticed Hurricane Florence had a say in the world of college football, and so too did the Big Ten when they were virtual no-shows on the football card last week. We'll discuss that, Victor, and all in all, welcome you back to the show. How was your week last week in all that hecticness going on in the world of football? A couple of the college games, of course, were rained out because of that uh, hurricane, and as you just touched on, Man, oh man, what a rough week for the Big Ten West. They went 2-5 and five last week, losing to Akron, BYU, Troy, South Florida, and Missouri. We'll talk about one of those Big Ten West games today on the show, but a really, really rough start. That division is wide open and if we had a couple of minutes, uh, Mark, I also wanted to talk about you know some of the newer college coaches uh, in terms of hits and misses, who uh, who has done well coming out of the gate, and which some of the newer coaches that have struggled thus far. Well, you mentioned the Big Ten before we get to those newer coaches, Victor. Here, uh, it seems like every year there's always conferences. One of the Power Five conferences ends up stubbing its toe out of the gate. I think last year it might have been the SEC when they were down overall for the season here and what was projected to be a powerful year for the Big Ten this season, at least on paper, with uh, the teams, the starting starters coming back, is not panning out that way this year. And we're seeing it reflective in the non-conference football games. So we'll see what ends up happening with the Big Ten. I ran them in my computer in the 4D machine, our well-oiled database, and uh, noticed that the one thing the Big Ten has done well this season outside of conference play is as underdogs. They've been a perfect 5-0 and to the spread, but they have not lived up to their billing as favorites, either winning or covering or either winning those football games. So we'll keep a closer eye on the Big Ten Conference. And you mentioned, Victor, about the college football new head coaches and the hits and misses. If you would share with our listeners what you've got on your hit and miss list for this 2018 season. Well, definitely from the uh, your new head coach stinks list, I think top of the list, we may have to throw out Willie Taggart for Florida State. Although, you know, they struggled last week on the road against Syracuse. I don't know how much we can blame a guy for getting handed a big pile of hot garbage, which was (laughs) kind of the case for uh, Willie Taggart there at Florida State with uh, Jimbo Fisher heading over to Texas A&M. Chad Morris has had a rough start at Arkansas, the guy from SMU. uh, again, a come-from-ahead loss to Colorado State and then a blowout loss to powerful North Texas. I don't know. Yeah, they play some good football up there in Denton, particularly in the last couple of seasons. But you want to talk about the hot piles of garbage. Unfortunately for our Razorback fans, there you are in regards to Chad Morris. It's been a rough start for Scott Frost, too. Uh, a lot of hype 
going back to Nebraska, starting the season at 0-2. Difficult start there for Nebraska. You can also make a case that it's been a rough start for Kevin Sumlin at Arizona as well with a 1-2 and start and a team that a lot predicted to do significantly better in the Pac-12 conference. I think if I'm going to throw a little more garbage onto the pile, Victor, I might mention UCLA mm-hmm. and what's going on with the Bruins under Chip Kelly. Uh, it's been a little bit disgraceful thus far, and in fact, there's tension in the program right now. The backup quarterback and his father are sounding off against uh, Kelly and his uh, his approach to the game, and so things are not pretty there as well. So there are a handful of coaches that a lot more was expected than they're delivering the goods as we're speaking right now. And I think maybe on the flip side, uh, before I hand it back over to you, the coaches that have been done a pretty good job, I think uh, right at the top of the list might end up being Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, who a lot has been expected from him. He's gotten out to a two and one start, but that only loss was a tough two point decision against Clemson. So I might put him on our play on check on list, at least for the good jobs for new coaches this year. Right. I would submit a couple more to you. You know, it's been a good start for Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead, 3-0. Of course, you look at the early season schedule, but the way they've reached 3-0 does exceed most outlooks, particularly dominating a Big 12 team on the road in Kansas State. Uh, What about uh, Mario Cristobal, our friend from Florida, up there now in Eugene, Oregon? The Ducks are 3-0. They've got a potential Heisman quarterback in Justin Herbert. A big game this week against Stanford. That'll be a defining game. And one of the you know feel-good stories in college football, particularly since they started the season 2-0, and they did lose last week, but has to be perhaps Herm Edwards there at uh, Arizona State. The euphoria of beating Michigan State was you know, tempered a little bit by that somewhat controversial loss to San Diego State. But, uh, again, uh, one of the better feel-good stories in college football. I would say those would be the four coaches I'd have on my list as well this year, Victor, as far as the good jobs, bad jobs. Uh, We're not even out of the month of September yet, and I'm sure a few of these are going to change between now and then, so we'll keep a closer eye on that. Before we move over to the NFL side of things, just a quick note here that uh, in what I do inside the stats, which I love doing when I'm logging my stats each and every week, I make note that there were five teams in college football last week that won games but were out-yarded by over 100 yards in the contest, meaning they were what we would call phony inside-out, winning games with smoke-and-mirrors type victories. Those teams put them on your list to watch this year because they almost always underperform the next week. On this week's list would end up being Akron, the Zips, who won a big football game but were out-yarded heavily in that football contest. Troy, in their big win over Arkansas, was really outstanding over 100 yards against the Razorbacks. We had Nevada doing just that. We had Western Kentucky in an inside-out 100-yard reversal. And Eastern Kentucky, for those of you who do have access to playing off-board games, they ended up beating Bowling Green last week, but were completely outscored or out-yarded in that football game. So keep an eye on those guys on our watch list as far as winning games inside-out in college football. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's move it over to the NFL side of things where we've got two games under our belts. We still find our hometown Cleveland Browns winless as we do the podcast on Wednesday. But they're not only the only other winless teams in the National Football League. There's other surprising teams that are on the list. The Seattle Seahawks 0-2 to begin the football season here. And the reason I'm calling this out about these winless teams is there was a stat I read 
since the 1990 expansion of 16 teams in the playoffs, only 12% of the teams that start out 0-2 have gone on to make the playoffs. So you find some teams in dire straits this week, already only two games into the season here. But you see exactly what happens to these teams, because if these teams that are 0-2 do not win football games this week and start out 0-3, you can put the kiss of death on them, another one being the Houston Texans, a football team that was expected to challenge in their division here, starting out winless 0-2. Your take, Victor, on what we've seen through the first two weeks of the National Football League season. I would also throw out the Oakland Raiders at 0-2, the New York Giants at 0-2, and the Detroit Lions at 0-2 as well. It was, however, Mark, a good week if you're an underdog better in the NFL last week. I've got the dogs going 10-5 and ATS last week. The only game that was a pick was that Thursday night Cincinnati-Baltimore game. Uh, you had two of those dogs on your service with the three-star outright winner on the Colts and the three-star outright winner on the Jacksonville Jaguars. When was the last time you could legitimately say that Blake Bortles outplayed Tom Brady? But he certainly did in that game. <laughs> I was going to say in that Jacksonville play that we used, uh, really, I was restless the night before putting that play out, just knowing that it was going to be Blake Bortles against Tom Brady. But <laughs> I got through the night anyway with a couple of winks of sleep, I should say. <laughs> right. Uh, 17, 11 and one now ATS on the year for underdogs through the first two weeks. It's been the division dogs who have been the most profitable going eight and three ATS uh, non-division dogs having gone nine, eight and one overall. To me, being the totals guy, what's been really surprising to me has been the points in the NFL. You know, last season was the lowest scoring one in the NFL since 2009. The average total points per game was just right around 43 points per game. And through two weeks of this season, the current averages are now 47.2 points per game in the NFL. That's a big, big jump, and you wouldn't think so if you took a look at the overall over-under results, 17 overs, 15 unders on the season, the reason the numbers are pretty much right in the middle of the road is the fact that the oddsmakers have done a very, very good job uh, posting their over-under lines. But not just that. You're getting not a lot of games in the NFL that are finishing in that meaty portion of like 42 to 50 points. Uh, case in point, last week there were seven games in the NFL that had 50 or more points in them, but there were eight games that had 41 or less points in them. So again, you had none of those games that finished right there in the middle. That should. Either way, it's been surprising. As I mentioned, if these numbers carry over for the entire year, it would be the highest scoring year since the peak season of 2013 in which there were 468 Points per game scored. A couple of other notes. NFL offenses are averaging 2.5 touchdowns per game through the first two weeks. That's a significant increase from a down 2017 season in which there was 2.2 TDs per game. And also, Mark, finally, better quality increased quarterback play. We're not quite seeing as many injuries as we did last year at this time. But there's already a whopping 20 quarterbacks in the NFL who have completion percentages of 64% or higher. So we're seeing TD passes, we're seeing scoring, but we're seeing some low-scoring games as well. What I wrote about in this week's totals tip sheet, expect many, not many more, but at least more overs 
than unders this week. And that's one of the reasons that our totals tip sheet is going over the total in all three of the best bets this week. I noticed that in the total tip sheet this week, Victor, about that rationale. I like it. I think it's solid. And I think our listeners out there would do themselves well to download a copy of the total tip sheet in time for the NFL games this Sunday. And one thing we're also not seeing as far as improved quarterback play, I got to throw this in there, Victor, is a lack. There's no, not been much of a Deshaun Kaiser sighting on the <laughs> national football scene this week. And, uh, you know, uh, I could say this, Aaron Rodgers got enough of that when he left the game and, uh, <laughs> watched, watched him come in and, uh, put his show on and limp back out on the field, uh, in that miracle win over Chicago last week. So we'll see if we can keep Aaron Rodgers back on the field to keep our quarterback play up to a higher standard of level in the national football league. One other quick note before we go to break here, Victor, is this, that, uh, the, obviously the one odd occurrence that's happened in the NFL to start the season has been overtime games. We've had back-to-back overtimes in the NFL for the first two weeks of the season for the first time since 1950. Uh, really rather rare occurrence, uh, seeing just that. And just this quick note in passing here, we, we called this out in the playbook football newsletter this week that you want to mark this down guys that, uh, in the NFL, Teams that play to a tie who take out onto the road the following week are now 0-13 straight up and 2-11 to the spread since 1988. That role probably does not work well for the Green Bay Packers this week when they invade Washington. So we'll see how that works out with NFL teams off a tie taking out onto the road. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to do our college football game of the week, a beauty inside the Big Ten Conference. We've got that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University. Located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football card. It's time for our college football game of the week. We're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference, the conference that got beat up, as we mentioned last week. But this being a conference game, we're going to look for a much better competitive football game when the Iowa Hawkeyes play host to the Wisconsin Badgers. Victor, your take on this Iowa Hawkeye-Wisconsin Badger matchup on Saturday. This should definitely be a fun game. I'm hoping that our uh, listeners played last week's total when the line was most advantageous to them. You know, we talked about that Boise State, Oklahoma State game and how uh, I had a nice, you know, play on over the total in that particular game. 
If you bet it on Wednesday when we recorded the show, or Thursday, or even Friday during the day, you probably won. If you bet it Friday night or on Saturday game day, you may have tied. You may even have lost. Another lesson learned. Bet your games as early in the week as you can. Shop for the best line. Don't necessarily be held hostage by that line that you're going to have to bet on on game day. Uh, In regards to this game, Iowa-Wisconsin, and it was a uh, rough home loss last week. Wisconsin took on BYU. But if you ask me, that may have been just the thing to poke the bear a little bit, or in this case, poke the badger. They were pretty bad in that loss to the Cougars last week. The offensive line couldn't get into a groove. The passing game was mediocre. The defense couldn't come up with a key stop. And yet it still came down to a a, a whiffed field goal that may have forced overtime in that particular game. They still got a great offensive line. They still got a uh, Heisman candidate in Jonathan Taylor at running back. The overall machine still works. Now it's got to be crisper and more efficient as they head into a conference play in the Big Ten. 44 is where the line opened up in this game in regards to the over-under. It's dropped a half a point to 43.5. Both teams come in with one and two over-under records on the season. For uh, Iowa, under at home against Northern Illinois in game one, under against uh, Iowa State in their in-state rivalry game, and they did go over last week against Northern Iowa. For Wisconsin, under at home against Western Kentucky in Game 1. Over at home against New Mexico, the 45-14 to win. And then again, under last week, at home against BYU. The series has been pretty low scoring. We'll certainly acknowledge that. 1-3-1 and one over under in the last five meetings between these two teams. Average line, 46.3. Average score, 36.2. But we will say this. In the last five meetings played there in Iowa City, the points have been significantly higher, almost 10 points higher, uh, 45.2. And this is where I'm going in regards to this particular game. Most of the simulations and models I run in this database come up with a point total approximately 10 points higher based on the point spread and the over-under line right now as we record the show, the predicted final score is Wisconsin 23, Iowa 20. My simulations are a little bit different. The most popular number that keeps coming up is a Wisconsin win by the score of like 31 to 24. We're somewhere in the low to mid-50s. I'm about value I may wait to see if the line drops any more than the current movement in which it's dropped a half point. But either way, I believe it's a Saturday night game in which we'll see more points than people expect. And we'll be going over the total when the Hawkeyes entertain the Badgers on Saturday night. Victor goes over the total in the Iowa-Wisconsin football game Saturday night, a key football game as far as both football programs are concerned. Taking a look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, a football team coming into this contest with double revenge from a pair of losses taken on the chin each of the last two games in the series. Iowa brings some pretty strong numbers into the contest. Eight and one to the spread as a conference home dog of a touchdown or less. They're also five and one to the spread in their first Big Ten game of the season the last six years. The negative side, the last four times they've hosted Wisconsin, they've gone down all four times in Ames in this football or football game. Uh, 
they're also noting that the host team in the series is just three and eight to the spread. So it's been a visitor oriented series, if you will, taking a look at it that way. For the invading Badgers from Wisconsin, they come into this football game with pretty strong road numbers here. They're one of the better college football teams away from home. If you take a look at their last 27 road games dating back to 2012, they're 21 and 6 to the spread away from home, including 13 and 3 when laying points on the road. But they were victims of the huge upset loss to BYU at home last week, what we talked about in the opening of the show. But the fact of the matter is they're focused in on what they started the season doing, and that's winning the Big Ten West Division. They win the Big Ten West Division. They go to the Big Ten Championship game. They win that. They're likely going to be in the college football playoffs. So Wisconsin realizes that they win out. They'll likely be a contender inside and playing in the college football playoffs by season's end. They had a 41-game non conference win streak snapped in that loss to Wisconsin. And while I would normally be on Iowa in this football game like white on rice, if for no other reason, because of the double revenge, the winning team, the good solid defensive team at home as an underdog, I'm a little bit concerned here about the fact that if you take a look at the way that the, what these two teams do is Wisconsin runs the football for over six yards a carry in the coming into this game. Iowa only allows a yard and a half on the ground, that's a concern, I think, for Wisconsin coming in there. They might not get what they want on the ground in this football game. But my biggest concern in the contest comes from the smart box inside this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. And the smart box is a feature that we put in the newsletter each week. And it's all pertaining to situations that evolve on the football card on a weekly basis. And what happens in our smart box this week is anytime you have a football team that is in game number four, they're on the road with a 2-1 and record, and they come off their first loss of the season, as do the Wisconsin Badgers. These teams are a powerful 65% winning on the blind, long-term winning record. So these teams start out 2-0. and They lose their first game. They go on the road. They get refocused here. And you're talking about uh, a football team here in Wisconsin that was picked to win not only the Big Ten West Division, but also maybe perhaps represent the Big Ten in these playoffs here. I'm going to pass on this football game, watch the game, and pay respect to the smart box here because the smart box is all over Wisconsin. My handicapping theories and thoughts are likely siding with Iowa in the football game, which means I have to keep my hands in my pocket. Don't take them out. Don't risk anything in the game. I'll watch this football game and likely play the over total as Victor recommended in the contest. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty inside another big division matchup, and we'll hop out to Las Vegas to find out what's going on in Vegas with our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. 
the only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru, at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence and Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our NFL game of the week. And with it, we're going to go inside the NFC South division in a battle of two perspective playoff teams, each battling trying to win this division here when the New Orleans Saints invade Atlanta to take on the Falcons at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Victor, this should be a pretty good football game on Sunday between the Saints and the Falcons. Your take on the over-under in the contest. Right. You know, Atlanta opened up a four-point favorite in the game. They're down to three. Pretty solid three across the board. It opened in terms of the total at 54 and a half, and it's come down to 53 to 53 and a half. That's a full point, maybe within a point and a half. And to me, that's revealing. Revealing in that 75% of the early cash in this game has actually been bet on the over. 85% of all early tickets have actually been bet on the over. So when you see a disparity like this, when such a high percentage is on the over and yet the line has gone down, it kind of basically tells us that uh, the Sharps are going under the total in this particular game. I feel about this game like you do the college football game, the Iowa-Wisconsin game, definitely conflicting over-under data. Both teams one and one over-under on the season. Atlanta went under game one, that Thursday night game against Philadelphia, and under by 14.5 points. That's a big margin. With that said, however, last week at home against Carolina, their game went over the total by 11 points, the 31-24 to home win against division rival Carolina, I might add. Same with the Saints. Volatile over-under results to their first two games. Game one against home against Tampa. The shootout, the 48-40 to final score, over the total by 38 points. Yet last week, game two, Cleveland Browns, the over-under line at 51, final score 21-18. to It went under by 13 points. So both teams are off over-under results that were 10 points or more off the line in the particular game. In regards to the series history, it's actually been relatively low scoring, particularly when playing in Atlanta. The last nine meetings in Atlanta between these two teams have gone two and seven over under. Average line, 52.3. That's right around uh, this week's uh, line. Average score, 46.0. The one thing that's uh, potentially conflicting in regards to our database, and again, I wrote about it, in the totals tip sheet, this has been a really, really good week of the season for overs in same division games. Now, these are recent numbers, but in the last five seasons, division games in the third week of the season have gone 19 and four over under, and that includes an almost perfect 14 and one to the over when the home team is favored, like the Falcons are in this game. 
both teams are have done well in their third game of the season. Atlanta five and zero to the over in game three. Saints three and zero to the over in their last three years in their third game of the season as well. Again, I've got conflicting data like you did when you talked about the Iowa Wisconsin game. When it comes to this, I usually lay off in these cases. In fact, I think that some of the NFL games this week with the high over-under lines are potential trap games in all three cases. That would be the 49ers-Chiefs game in which the over-under is, what, 55, 56? This game in which the over-under line is extremely high. And even the Sunday night game, the Patriots and the Lions, with the over-under at 52. Yes, I think it's going to be an overall more over-than-under week in the NFL, but not necessarily in these games. For that reason, Mark, I've got other overs I like. We're going to pass in this game. Victor takes a pass on the Falcons and the Saints as far as an over-under perspective on the game goes. He also warns everybody but to beware of the games with high over-under totals on this weekend's card. Despite it being a little bit of a balancing act where he sees potentially more overs and unders, those might not be the value that you may be wanting looking at. So check it all out with Victor online at playbook.com for his King Creole sports plays this weekend. You'll be glad you did. Taking a look here now, guys, in this matchup, this good matchup of two prospective playoff teams here. Taking a look at the New Orleans Saints. They come in here. They've lost the money in both of their games they played thus far, and they've also been outstanding in both of their football games they played thus far. So they've really underachieved to start the football season. And that was almost expected on my part anyway. I mean, last year, all the success they met with last year, I think was largely attributed to having both an offensive and defensive rookie of the year on both sides of the football, which really contributed to their success last football season here. That's kind of ironed out with game film on both of those players this year. But nonetheless, New Orleans comes into this football game one and one after escaping a close call game against the Cleveland Browns in a football game that could have gone either way. They are 10 and four. The spread Uh, as a dog in this series are the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees himself in his career as an underdog in division games. He's shined. He's gone 22, 12 and two to the spread. So this is a role that Drew Brees has really taken upon and delivered the goods in. You're taking a look at the Atlanta Falcons here who have, one in covered each of the last three years in a row on this field here against the Saints. All is chalk here, obviously. They come into this contest here ugly, just one and three straight up and 0 and four to the spread at home off a home win. And in fact, 2 and 11 to the spread, home and division games went off a home win for the Atlanta Falcons here. And pushing it out one step further, take a look here at the Falcons 4 21 and 1 to the spread, home off a home game taking an opponent coming off a win. I'm going to grab up the points with Drew Brees, a quarterback who loves and relishes these underdog roles, especially in division games. I'll play New Orleans plus the points against Atlanta for my side in this big football showdown game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe with our good friend, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, how was your week last week? I hope it was certainly better than the Big Ten Conference fared last week. I don't know if it was much better, but uh, it was a struggle. It started out encouragingly, but uh, as we'll go over in a few moments, a very rough day in the NFL for many, many people, although uh, there are some outstanding records being fashioned very early on in the Super Contest. 
Well, the Super Contest, as you mentioned, Eddie, we'll get to that in just a moment here. But before I do, uh, talking about the National Football League, I got a chance to look at your newsletter, uh, The Logical Approach. And it's available, guys, at thelogicalapproach.com. Be sure to check it out. And Andy, you had a right spot on uh, concept, an article, a piece of your article that was written in your newsletter about buying points uh, in and around three points in the National Football League and uh, whether or not there's value in doing just that. You mentioned that uh, just a little titch better than 8% of the games have fallen on three in the National Football League over the last 16 years. And uh, a great point that you brought out was this, and uh, I'm going to pass this on to our listeners out there, that uh, you have to win 52.4% of your bets at 11 to 10 just to break even, guys. That's the hurdle that everybody has to overcome in this business because of the vigorous. But when you're buying a half a point, and uh, if, if you're rounding it up from $1.10 to $1.20, in which most cases probably more these days to do that, but at $1.20 to break even, you have to win 54.6% of your bets. Now, that might not sound much, but that 2.2% difference is huge, especially by the end of the football season. If you would, Andy, elaborate on that and whether or not you recommend buying a half point on three in the National Football League. Well, this is a little background, Mark. I've been doing this study for many, many years, and in fact, uh, prior to this year, I went all the way back to, um, I think it was like the early 1980s, 1981, 1982. So we had more than a third of a century of data, and I got to thinking that the game has changed over the years, uh, but mostly structurally. So I went back, we now have 16 years under the current alignment system in the NFL with eight divisions of four teams each. So I went back to uh, the year 2002 to begin the study, looked at the last 16 years, uh, and compared that to just the last six years to see if there are any noticeable differences. And the number of games in the study actually went down from about 8,000 to 4,000 when I, when I eliminated uh, 1982 through 2001, but the numbers are relatively the same. And the point that I was making uh, in the article, I looked at the 10 most frequently occurring numbers as far as margins of victories, the 1, the 2, the 3, the 4, the 6, the 7, the 10. uh, I think we had 13 and 14 in there as well, and 17, I think, was number 10. In any event, uh, those percentages have not changed significantly at all. It's generally been between 8 and 9% of the games end up uh, with uh, the margin of 3, but the margin of 3 where it's the favorite that wins by 3. In other words, about 15% of all games land on three, but in some of those games, about uh, six, about forty percent of those games, it's the underdog that wins outright at three. So buying a half point on or off on or off of the number three uh, doesn't come into play because uh, the favorite didn't win by three. It's the underdog. So I just looked at the number of instances where the favorite actually won by three. Had you bought the uh, line up from plus two and a half to plus three or minus three and a half down to minus three, how often you would have turned losses into pushes and pushes into wins. And so I went through, uh, um, I tried to keep the math as simple as possible and basically demonstrated that if you use the percentage of, I think I said 8.3% going back over the last 16 years, I rounded it down to 8 to make it even more conservative and also make the math simpler, that you would benefit slightly by purchasing uh, the extra half point either up on the dog or down on the favorite. What people often fail to realize is that when, let's say, you take 100 wagers, only 8 
of those wagers are effective. Those eight times where the game lands exactly on three, where the point spread was two and a half, three, or three and a half, and you had the opportunity to buy the half point. So only in eight of those 100 instances uh, does it come into play. However, for purposes of the study, you're talking about any time the line is two and a half, three or three and a half, you've got to lay the six to five. So you're basically laying the six to five on 100 wagers. It's the eight wagers that are effective that are demonstrated to show that, yeah, even though you, even though on 92 of the wagers out of the 100, you're laying the six to five and it's not going to make any difference, win or lose, because the game isn't landing with the favorite winning by three. Those eight situations where you turn a loss into a push or a push into a win justifies buying the half point on or off of three, which also explains why for many years, and even still in some books today, they won't let you buy the uh, line, in the, and we're talking NFL here now, not colleges, why they won't let you uh, buy the uh, half point on or off of three, or some places are now saying, okay, it's minus 125, and that presents a totally different analysis. Good observation from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com about buying I have a point off three in the National Football League. Check it all out with his newsletter, TheLogicalApproach.com, at his website at TheLogicalApproach.com, I should say, the newsletter. Uh, before I get to uh, Victor, and I know he's got a question he wants to run by you, Andy, the Super Book Contest last week, I know the consensus, the opening week had a pretty good week. It went 4-1 and one opening week consensus in the Super Book Contest. There are 3,123 entries competing for what might be like a million and a half dollars and to the winner, the eventual winner here. Andy, how did the consensus shake out in the contest in week number two? Well, if you recall, 2018 was a miserable year, especially at the start of the season with consensus. And although we had a winning week in week one, the four and one, as you point out last week, week two, oh, and five on the consensus. And in fact, Overall, uh, the picks were 4-12 and 12 by looking at the most popular picks. Now, just briefly going over, the most popular pick had a little bit under 50% of all contestants on this game taking the Houston Texans pick them over the Tennessee Titans. And although the Texans rallied to get a late lead, they couldn't hold on to it. As the Titans tied it up, ultimately kicked the winning field goal, 1,514 of the 3123 contestants including yours truly, were on the Houston <laughs> Texans. That was by far and away uh, the uh, largest uh, consensus play of the week, that lost. Uh, next in line, the uh, second most populous play, the New York Giants on Sunday night. That went down to defeat. Uh, number three was the Pittsburgh Steelers, lost outright to the Kansas City Chiefs as a four-point favorite in the contest. That was followed by a loss on the New England Patriots, who were laying just one point at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost outright, and the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles were the fifth consensus pick, favored by three and a half at Tampa Bay, and of course they also lost outright. So for the year four and six on the consensus, if you played there, if you look at the uh, teams that the, that uh, more contestants were on the favored side of the game than the underdog, those favorites were two and nine against the spread, six, fifteen, and one for the season. Underdogs, there were only five underdogs that were more popular with the contestants. Those underdogs went two and three, four and five on the season. Now, there were no uh, pick'ems this week. Last week, uh, there was one pick'em game, and the contestants had the right side on that pick'em game, so that's one and oh on the year. Overall, as I indicated, four and twelve this past week, looking at the selections, the more popular selections for each side of the game. That brings the season record to 11 20, 
and one after going seven, eight, and one in week one, gave it all back and more in week two. So a rough start following the first two weeks. We'll see what happens this week. Uh, and of course, in a moment, we'll go over after you, you know, have, have some questions about the contest. Uh, I can give you the leaders here. Uh, we'll take a look at the line moves last week, which are a little bit different than, uh, than last week. In the contest, there are three contestants in the Super Contest who are nine and one. There are five who are eight, one, and one, and 37 have managed to start uh, at uh, 8 and 2 for the year. And just as a means of comparison, in the Super Contest Gold, where there are a little bit over 125 contestants, winner-take-all, $5,000 entry fee, the two leaders are tied at 7, 2, and 1. There are nine contestants at 7 and 3, 7 at 6, 3, and 1, and 20 have started the season at 6 and 4. Over review, if you will, from Andy Isco, on what's going on in the contest in Las Vegas, the Superbook and the Golden Nugget Ultimate Challenge there as well. Andy, before I hand it to Victor here, you mentioned about the Houston Texans being uh, likely about a 50% play who all went down in the contest in a rough week for people competing in the Superbook contest last week. Would you attribute that move largely because of the line, the fact that the Houston was sent out at Pickham as opposed to being a two-point favorite on the road? And if that is the case... What happened with the Houston Minnesota? I mean, the uh, Green Bay Minnesota game, where they installed Minnesota as a seven-point favorite in the contest. Was there a lot of money bet on Minnesota as well? You know, it's interesting because uh, at, in the situation with the Texans and Titans, we didn't know the status of several key players on both sides. In fact, both quarterbacks uh, concerns Mariota of uh, the Titans had an injury, and Deshaun Watson of uh, uh, of the Texans was going through concussion protocol. Uh, so those were the two key injuries that kept that game off the boards for at least the first half of the week. And of course, the Super Contest, the Westgate, puts those lines up on on Wednesday afternoon, and they like to have lines on every game. So they sort of anticipate and just to that point about the Minnesota Green Bay game, Aaron Rodgers was questionable for most of the week and at the time that the Lions came out on Wednesday, it was looking more and more like he would not play against the Vikings. So they came up with what I first thought was a misprint when I saw the line. Minnesota a seven-point road favorite at the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, of course, it turned out that Rodgers did play and in fact that became more and more apparent as the deadline for submitting the selections, which is Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, approached. And I was surprised that despite that huge plus seven, even if Rodgers wasn't going to play, it seemed like an attractive pick. Uh, it was actually the 11th most popular selected side of the week. 580 of the 21 of the 3,100 plus contestants picked the Packers plus seven. Just 165 took the chance on laying the seven with the uh, Vikings. And of course, those who took the Packers were rewarded. But you have to take you have to consider the fact that a lot of people gained on the on the field because. Only, and I put that in quotes, only 580 people took advantage of the plus seven, which uh, certainly turned out to be a very generous line. Now, you did also mention about the Golden Nugget contest. I did not give the results for that one yet. I had given the Super Contest gold uh, results in addition to, or, or leaders in addition to the Super Contest classic. In the Golden Nugget, which is now a full 17-week contest, pretty much structured along the lines of the Westgate Super Contest with two key differences. Number one, you submit 
included seven selections instead of five per week. Number two, college football games are included in addition to the NFL. No totals for either. There is one leader at the Golden Nugget who has 13 and one after the first two weeks. Second place, one individual at 12 and two. There are three contestants at 11 and three. Three more at 10, 3, and 1, and 14 at 10 and 4. And as the season progresses, we can expect the leaders in the Golden Nugget to show considerably better records than the leaders in the Super Contest. And that's simply because you have more games to choose from with college football uh, presenting roughly 50 games or so per week in addition to the NFL games. The more selectivity that the betters have, or in this case the contest contestants, uh, the more likely you are to hone in on the games that you feel you have a significant advantage. It's one thing to pick five out of 16 NFL games each week. It's another to pick seven out of roughly 70 to 75 college and pro games. Good analysis by Andy Isco about the Golden Nugget contest and what we'll find as far as win percentages and chances of faring well in that contest are concerned and also about what happened with the Houston Texans as opposed to the Green Bay Packers lines in those football games, people betting games with line value where there's certainty as opposed to uh, uh, expecting there to be uh, line value without knowing exactly who's going to be playing and who's not. So it's a little bit of an insight into the way that the Sharps are thinking in Las Vegas these days. And with that, Victor, I know you want to run a question by Andy on the show this week as well. Yeah, Andy, uh, if I can get a couple of quick comments on a couple of games in the NFL in which the line is moving significantly this week, like, for instance, Houston now almost a full touchdown home favorite against the Giants. The Chiefs laying almost a full touchdown at home against the Niners. And a game in which this is a wacky line, one of the wackiest I've seen. The Bears almost a full touchdown road favorite against the Cardinals. Is Arizona really that bad? Uh, they may very well be, but let me give you a little background for those listeners who may be joining us for just the first or second time, and that is what Victor's talking about, and what I'm going to be talking about is the uh, Superbook at the Westgate puts out an advance line 10 days in advance of the uh, week uh, week's games at question. So, for example, for this coming week three, uh, September uh, 20th through 24th, uh, they actually had lines that you could bet into, not the theoretical lines, but you could actually make wagers on these games dating back uh, to uh, last Tuesday, which would have been September 11th. Those lines went up on that on that day. So you basically get to see and evaluate the adjustments made by the lines makers and the wagering public based upon the intervening week. So, for example, I'll just start with the Thursday night game. Last week, before uh, any games were played, the Cleveland Browns were one-and-a-half-point favorites over the New York Jets. The Jets came home, looked awful in their loss to Miami. Cleveland, very competitive in a game they could have or should have won at New Orleans. So when that line came up again after being taken down while those games were being played, the Cleveland Browns opened and remain solid three-point favorites. To the game, Victor, you asked about first the Giants at the Houston Texans. Last week, you could have bet Houston minus four and a half. Then Houston played, and they uh, lost that game we just talked about to Tennessee after being a very popular pick uh, throughout the week. So when that game came down before the Sunday night game was played, Houston was adjusted downwards to a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So the line actually went down uh, after Houston lost, which you could expect. The game was taken off the board when the Giants and 
Cowboys played Sunday night. Of course, the Giants uh, demonstrated their prevent offense to perfection, struggled in that loss to Dallas, and the game, when it came back up on Monday morning, had Houston installed as a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. Early action was a reaction to that three-point adjustment overnight, and the line actually went down first to five-and-a-half Houston. It has since come back up and settled in pretty much with Houston a six-point favorite. One line worth mentioning before I get to your Kansas City-San Francisco game, Buffalo at Minnesota. Last week before the games were played, Minnesota was a 15-point favorite, already a huge double-digit favorite. Buffalo lost at home to the Chargers. Minnesota had that tie game in Green Bay. Line came back up. Minnesota up to a 16-and-a-half-point home favorite. Probably as much a reaction to Buffalo's continued poor performance as to Minnesota settling for a tie rather than a win against a division foe. So maybe paying a little bit extra just for the fact that Minnesota uh, did not take advantage of a divisional contest. San Francisco at Kansas City. San Francisco defeated Detroit uh, by uh, three points. They did have a more comfortable lead in that game, but Kansas City went out on the road and pulled the outright upset of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Patrick Mahomes, the young quarterback, had another outstanding game for the Chiefs. Last week, Kansas City was a four-point home favorite in this contest against San Francisco, and with the Chiefs' upset win at Pittsburgh, but also combined with a San Francisco win, and the final score not indicative of the flow of the game, Kansas City actually opened a five-point favorite, so the books adjusted that game by a point. The public has since bet that game up from Kansas City five to Kansas City six and a half. Another adjustment that involves a pair of teams that both won their games, and Mark, you mentioned the Chicago-Arizona game. I'll talk about that in a moment. The Chargers and Rams. The Rams were five-and-a-half-point home favorites over the Chargers prior to last week. Chargers off that disappointing home loss to Kansas City to open the season went across country and had little difficulty in winning at Buffalo. The Rams, meanwhile, totally dominated uh, the Arizona Cardinals in their 34 to nothing win. Last week, the Rams favored by five-and-a-half when that line came back up. It opened and remains with the Rams a seven-point home favorite. Chicago, Arizona. Last week, the Bears coming off of that uh, uh, that close win in which they played very well at Green Bay and Arizona, which uh, lost at home to Washington. The Bears opened slightly under a field goal. They were two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Well, as a result of the uh, Arizona blowout loss to the Rams on Sunday, that game went up Sunday afternoon with the Bears a four-and-a-half-point favorite, bet up as high as five-and-a-half, and then bet down to a four-point favorite before the game came off the board on Monday night when the Bears hosted Seattle. Let the the uh, Bears won that game, and the line came up and paying a little bit more right now. Chicago up to and remains a six-point road favorite in that game. Two more games to very quickly review. Dallas at Seattle. Last week, Seattle was a three-point home favorite, even money, meaning you took Dallas plus three, minus 120. Uh, neither of those teams played Sunday afternoon, so the game opened with Seattle a three-point favorite. Came down while Dallas played on uh, uh, Sunday night. Uh, no impact on that one as Seattle opened a three-point home favorite once again on Monday morning. The game came 
came down Monday night. Seattle uh, did not play all that well in that loss at Chicago, and they have opened up and remain a one-and-a-half point home favorite in this matchup between a pair of 0-2 teams. However, let's bear in mind that Seattle opened with its first two games, both losses on the road. And finally, Monday night, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Uh, last week, Pittsburgh was a four-point road favorite at Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh, of course, tying Cleveland and Tampa Bay pulling that huge upset of New Orleans. Well, as just mentioned, Pittsburgh lost at home to Kansas City. Tampa Bay, meanwhile, beat another playoff team from last year in beating the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. When that game came up Sunday night, only a slight adjustment in the line as Pittsburgh, instead of being a four-point road favorite, opened as a three-point road favorite, and the money poured in on Tampa Bay such that the line, even that Sunday night, went down to Pittsburgh, a one-point road favorite for next Monday night's game. That's where that game currently sits. A review of the line and the movements from Las Vegas from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Once again, Andy, great doing just that. I know our listeners love hearing these line movements and the reasons why it's a big part of getting ready for the football card this weekend. And speaking about getting ready, Andy, I know you've got a complimentary play you'd like to share with our listeners on the show as well. Yeah, I'm going to go this week to that game between the Chargers and the uh, the Rams in Los Angeles. Uh, the Rams, of course, very popular team right now, uh, and no reason why they shouldn't be, considering the way that they've started the season. Broke out of a tight game where they trailed by three uh, at the Raiders the first Monday night of the season. They ended up winning that game by 20, shutting out the Raiders in the second half, and then uh, following up that second half shutout with a full game shutout of the Arizona Cardinals. Meanwhile, the Chargers lost to uh, what now has to be upgraded a little bit. A very good Kansas City team in their opener went across country and had little difficulty beating Buffalo. Uh, can the Charter, can the Rams keep up their level of play? Perhaps. I look at the roster of these two teams and I see that there's not that much of a difference. Maybe the Rams have a little bit of an edge around the defensive front. The Chargers still a decent defensive team. I give the quarterback edge to the Chargers with Phillip Rivers against Jared Goff. Uh, I give the Rams the running back edge with Todd Gurley against uh, Gordon, although that edge may not be as significant as a lot of people think it is, although certainly from the fantasy draft rankings, uh, Todd Gurley has a huge edge. I think that's a big number to be laying against a veteran quarterback like uh, Phillip Rivers. Could be a very competitive game. Upset wouldn't shock me, but at some point the Rams' play will level off a little bit because of the adjustments made. And you could argue that in facing the uh, uh, L.A. Chargers, the Chargers will be the toughest test that the Rams will have faced this year after facing uh, the Raiders and the Cardinals. Of course, the Rams will also be the toughest test that the Chargers will have faced, although we still don't quite know to make what to make about that opening week opponent, Kansas City, but Kansas City still not as good as the Rams. I'll take the plus seven with the Chargers. Andy Isco on the L.A. Chargers in their backyard brawl with the L.A. Rams taking the points in that big showdown game in the Battle of Lala teams on Sunday. Andy, as always, a great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Victor, Mark, have a great week. Look forward to next week and uh, see how things continue to fold as we uh, approach the second half of the first quarter of the season. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week. And Victor and I with our complimentary plays for the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
attention, sports fans. It's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week in college football. It's an oldie but goodie, and we're using it this week because it is rock solid. We call it Lean on Me. It's from one of my playbook, Black Book Super System articles, and what it tells us to do is to play on any 17 returning starter college football underdog. That's off a point spread loss if they allow less than 33 points a game in the season. And they're taking on an opponent that's off a straight-up loss. The 17 returning starter college football underdogs coming in off a spread loss who have a decent defense allowing less than 33 points a game taking on an opponent that's wildly off a loss have now gone 19-2 and against the spread in this role since 1990. That's a 91% winning angle. This week we're going to be on the Arkansas Razorbacks off their embarrassing loss last week to North Texas for our Lean On Me awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play on the football card this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports and more about the totals tip sheet, if you will. Can do uh, week three of the totals tip sheet available at the website for just $8.00. A pretty good weekend for our service last week. On the playbook.com website, we released four over-under plays, two in college football and two in the NFL. We were fortunate to go 4-0 and in those plays. Saturday in college football, it was Boise State, Oklahoma State over the total. We finished that up with a game down here in South Florida over the total in the UMass-Florida International game a game which saw 83 total points scored, came back on Sunday, four-star over in the week in the NFL, Chiefs-Steelers over. That was pretty much a no-brainer. I believe they combined for, what, 79 points in that game. And then we wrapped it up by going over the total in the late afternoon kickoff out on the West Coast. Lions-49ers over the total, 30-27 to final score, 57 points in that game. So uh, we got a good little early season groove going with the totals here. And what I can tell you about this weekend is that every total we put out this weekend is going to be an over. It's our weekend of overs. In college football, we'll have a game or two on Saturday night over the total. In the NFL, four-star over of the week. That'll be available uh, for Sunday's action in the NFL. All of our plays we post on the playbook.com website by Thursday evening. So you definitely want to join us for our weekend of overs. And for our free play this week, we're heading out to a game we talked a little bit about with Andy. Uh, 
and that's the Bears and the Cardinals. And I do believe most squares in this game will instantly think this Cardinal offense uh, basically sucks. We're going under the total. No, we're going against the grain. Yeah, we're going there. We're going over the total in this Bears and Cardinals game. Uh, yeah, we're talking two of the worst offenses in the league squaring off in this game, and it's no wonder that the total is so low, 37.5 right now. But, Mark, we're going to zig in this game while others are certainly zagging. At least we got the database over under ammunition to back up our side. First off, we'll note that this Chicago-Arizona series has gone a perfect 4-0 to the over. Last four meetings, average margin, plus 13.6 points per game. And again, I do realize the Cardinals scored, what, six points in week one, were shut out last week against the Rams in week two, and many squares as a result will leave this game alone. But look at the database says. NFL game three teams who scored 14 or less points in each of their first two games have gone an amazing 16-1 and one over under in the last six years. Oh. And a perfect 10-0 and 0 to the over in the last three seasons. Arizona is the only team in the NFL that this amazing overstat applies to this season. We know Chicago is on reduced rest off a primetime game. And we know that NFL non-division teams off a Monday home game that went under the total, like their game against Seattle did, have gone 10-1 and 1 in the last four years when the over-under line is 48 or less points. And one more thing I queried in regards to this game applies to the low over or under number. I mentioned it's at 37 and a half, and I'm, of course, hoping it stays real, real low in this particular game as well. I ran a database query while Andy was talking, and this looks really, really nice. In the NFL, non-division games in which the home team is an underdog, like the Cardinals, and the over-under line is less than 38 points, which is where the current line is right now. 17-3 and three to the over, dating back to the 2009 season. So solid over numbers in this game. Again, I know what you're asking. Hey, where are the gonna, points going to be coming from? Well, let's not forget this. With an over-under line this low, there's no margin for error whatsoever. If there's any sort of a freak play, you're pretty much screwed if you bet the under. When I say freak play, I'm talking about a pick six, interception return, fumble recovery, kickoff return, punt return. Let's not forget the Bears have scored on defense in each of the first two weeks of the season. Probably a pretty good chance they do that again this week. So we're going over the total in an unlikely game. It might require you to hold your nose. Make sure your line is nice and low, 37 and a half or less. Cardinals, Bears over the total. Victor, with some great stats on the Cardinals-Bears game to get over the total of that 16-1 stat, especially inside the game as he goes over the total. Be sure to join him online at playbook.com for all of his King Creole plays this weekend. You'll be glad you did. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card, just a reminder that the playbook tokens are now available online at playbook.com where you use your playbook tokens. You're rewarded with 20% added bonuses for every token that you purchase, you'll get an extra 20% tokens added right into your account. You can also use the tokens to get makeup plays from handicapper expert selection plays that fail to win for you. Take your choice of any expert you choose with your playbook tokens. Check it all out now. Get 
$100 in free playbook tokens. If you're a member at playbook.com, when you go to the site, check on the tokens link. You'll be glad you did. And also another reminder that join me, if you will, this weekend for another $99 football weekend of winners featuring my NFL game of the month going this Sunday. It's all part of another $99 football weekend of winners. You can check it out at playbook.com or give my office a call toll-free to get on board today at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, I'm going to use an oldie but goodie, and it's a dandy. What we're going to play is Army grabbing all the points against Oklahoma this week, and it comes from our database, which supports military dogs of 20 or more points. If on the blind you were to play military teams that are underdogs and take 20 or more points in football games, dating all the way back to 1980, you have gone 76 and 37 against the spread. That's an outstanding 67% win percentage on the blind for over 100 plays. They're a perfect 7-0 and to the spread the last seven when they go up against undefeated football teams. On the flip side, you have an Oklahoma Sooner football team that's lost the money four straight games in a row as a favorite of 27 or more points. The last time that Oklahoma faced a military team was back in 2010 when they laid 17 points at home and won the football game 27-24. to they're not used to the discipline, the triple option offenses that they that they have to go up against. And you're also talking about military teams. If you take a look, in the last seven games against Big 12 opponents, they've cashed six of those seven games have military teams. You put it all together, I'll play Army plus the points for my complimentary play on the football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Until next week, I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Real Sports, Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.